I just invite everyone to have the courage, the courage to let go. Yes, when you tell the truth, you might lose people. Oh, you will lose people. You might lose things, but what you lose and who you lose was probably no longer in alignment with what your soul is seeking to become. It's in surrendering. It's in letting go. It's in releasing what is no longer aligned, even though it's a bit scary, makes the space in the room for new opportunities and new blessings to flow. And so I think that's when grace can happen. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident, feel empowered, and challenged through inspiring stories, and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle. And I just have to tell you, I have been in that recording mode again, where we have a lot of interviews in a short amount of time. And I am ridiculously excited about the um, episodes that we have coming up for release. And today will be no exception. I think that you are going to find our guests remarkably inspiring. And I am delighted to tell you about him. So Coot Blackson is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He speaks at countless events he organizes around the world, as well as outside events, including A-Fest, YPO, which is the Young President's Organization, and EO, the Entrepreneur's Organization. He is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. Winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award, Blackson is widely considered a next-generation leader in the field of personal development. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Holy wow. Welcome to the show, Coot. Thanks for having me. So you're a very accomplished professional, but also I would dare say that you are currently authentically living your true life's purpose. So we'll just start out of the gate with a big question. How did you Mm. get there? Mm. Um, Let's see. You know, I think it wasn't like one moment. Look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. And so I've always felt like a citizen of the world. But as a young boy, I was a very empathetic kid Mm. who I would feel people's pain very deeply. And there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. I didn't know what what it would look like, but I just felt this this connection to people, connection to humans, and like, how, how can I, how can I, what do I do? And obviously, at five, six years old, I didn't know what to do. But also, um, I grew up in a kind of unusual environment. As a kid, I didn't know it was unusual. I thought that everyone grew up the way I did, and it was normal. It seemed normal to me. My first memories as a young boy also was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so a miracle, you know, week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear the same man whose hand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, like, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. And he put his hands on them and they would stand up. Uh, he would look at a person who'd come in with crutches or some incurable disease. And he would say like, you're healed. And, and so this man was my father. And wow. he was considered a miracle man of Africa, spiritual teacher to presidents and heads of state and kings and literally. And so I, I was very blessed. And it just seemed like 
normal to me. And, <laughs> That's and, just what's up, and, right? <laughs> honestly, just yeah. it's like go to church on a Sunday. My father had 300 churches in Ghana, a huge church in London, hundreds of thousands of followers in Ghana, literally 5,000 people every Sunday. We'd go to church on, on Friday and Sunday and miracles would happen. And honestly, didn't think about it. It was just the nature of things. And so I grew up with the sense that everything was possible. And so when I was age eight, my speaking career began and I was thrown in the audience of my father's uh, audience in London. And he said, speak. And so I started speaking and every month, every two months, I would be thrown in the audience and he would say, speak. And so that began a journey. And then when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister to given the mandate to take over my father's spiritual organization. And we didn't have a conversation about it. It was just announced. And, and I thought to myself, okay. And when it was announced, my heart sank because I knew that this wasn't my path. Right. My entire life was kind of set out for me and planned for me, but I knew this wasn't my truth. And so I was too afraid. I think like many people were, the fear is like, if I dare to be myself, if I dare to show myself, if I dare to be who I really am, you won't love me. And so we often hide who we are. We often allow fear to hijack our potential and our voice and sharing our gifts with the world. And so for four years, I said nothing. And my fear was if I, if I really be myself, I'm going to lose my father. I'm going to lose love. I'm going to be outcast. I'm going to be alone for a kid because that's terrifying. And right. so I went through this deep internal conflict for about four years and turmoil. And when I turned 18, I looked into my future and I saw that I had two choices. I felt my soul calling me to come to the US, come to Southern California. Why Southern California? Because I was speaking to my father's office and on his bookshelf, he would have thousands of self-help books from a lot of the self-help icons from Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and Dan Millman and Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay. And so yeah. I'd read all these books and most of these folks lived in freaking Southern California. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is, this is the Mecca. And so I felt my soul pulling me to come to the U.S., because I saw a different way, a different possibility of inspiring people that wasn't through religion or Organized the church. religion. Yeah, yeah. Organ, an organization. And, you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't make sense to your mind or is not always convenient. But I really believe that when you follow your soul, you will always end up in the right place, even though the route that you take might not be the one that you most expect in the moment. And so I felt this calling. Meanwhile, I looked into my future and I saw that I could follow the expected path and be successful. And I projected into my future. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have my integrity, like what kind of success is that living someone else's life? And I felt as though I was committing a soul suicide mm. and it was so painful. And so in that moment, I knew what I had to do. I was terrified, which was have the conversation with my father. And it was scary and terrifying. And at 18, I had the conversation that changed my life. And we didn't speak for two years. I told my father, I'm not taking over. We didn't speak. For two years, a long story short, I was left in a moment of the unknown. And I said to the universe, I said to God, like, you've given me this vision. You've given me these dreams. Like, what do I do? And uh, to cut the story short, I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery that enabled me to come to the U.S. with two suitcases, $800 at 18, showed up here 
and went and found many of the teachers and the mentors and authors I'd read about, studied with some of them. Then I ended up traveling the world to places like Thailand, studied with monks, Israel, studied with rabbis, ended up in India. And it was some, some time in India, five months in India, that really cracked me open uh, as, as a young man to a deeper nature of my purpose and reality. And it was through that that I came back to L.A., Los Angeles, and started working with people you know, one-on-one, no idea. This is like 20 years ago when there was no right. coaching, no idea what I was doing, to be honest, but I just had a insatiable, sincere desire to help people. I felt I was broke. I was not known. I had nothing, but I was happy. And I thought, shit, if I can be this happy, I want people to feel this happy and a happiness that is not based on anything external. And one person showed up and I clumsily worked with them and another person showed up. And before you knew it, I started to develop my own way of, of coaching people, which was really uncoaching, unconditioned people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and people started coming from around the world and it just expanded and grew to small groups, large groups and books. And you know, here we are. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that is a remarkable story. And there's so much that I want to like add to, but that's not about me. It's about you. The only thing uh-huh. I want to add is that Venice beach is a very special place to me for yeah, so many. Uh, what's that? That's where I landed. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> First place big... out of the, out of the airport. I asked the, the taxi guy to take somewhere safe and cheap. You know, this was before Google, so I had no internet to search. And back when he, Venice was he, safe he, and cheap. <laughs> back when Venice was cheap but not safe, right? Right. Well, I guess me off, safe. Literally in Venice Beach on a Sunday where there was madness around and there was such a culture shock. So yeah. There's something there. I don't know what it is, but like when I'm there, I'm an, I'm aligned. Like I get different downloads. I have a different perspective. It is a it is a very sacred place to me. Um, I have a picture of Venice Beach that has sat on my dresser for years now. But anyways, so let's talk a little bit about so many things came out of just that intro. But mm-hmm. what popped out at me the most was that you uncoach people. Can you expand on that? So that, I mean, I, I feel like I understand what you mean by that, but maybe our audience members aren't clear. Yeah. You know, I don't coach people. I uncoach, I unteach, I uncondition, because I think that at the core as human beings, we are already whole. We are already perfect. We are complete. We've just become conditioned and locked into certain patterns that we believe ourselves to be. Like if you look at a child, when a child is born, I think there's, they're free. A child is, you know, in touch with their true essence. You look into a child's eyes, they're not conditioned and jaded with pain and traumas. They're just pure divine beingness staring at you. And a child will jump on a table naked and sing. It doesn't care if it doesn't right. sound like Elvis or Bruno Mars, right? It's just be- a child will run naked through the house. It doesn't care. Like, oh, what do I look like on Instagram? It's just being. Pure, pure positive energy. Light. So what the hell happens to us, right? So we incarnate into this human experience. We meet our parents. Our parents are just doing the best that they can do based on their conditioning and their childhood. And so now we're born into a kind of preset framework and pattern of conditioning based on generational patterns, ancestral patterns, and maybe there's pain, there's trauma, there's dysfunction, there's hurt, there's abuse. Maybe dad's crazy, mom's an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's abandonment. Maybe they're great people but they just didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And so two things happen where the conditioning starts. 
The first thing is we learn unconsciously often to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the pain of what's going on around us. Because if we can shut down, disconnect, and not feel, then we can function and survive. And so we suppress feelings and feelings and emotions and feelings for years and years and years. And before you know it, our true magnificence, our true light, our true essence is kind of buried underneath the layers and layers and layers of unprocessed, unfelt feelings that we've learned to suppress and disconnect from just to function and survive. And now we also learn to contort ourselves into a kind of shape, erecting all kinds of walls around our heart, around our feeling capacity to just protect ourselves from getting hurt again. Then we learn all sorts of strategies to the sense of like, who do I need to be in order to get love and validation and approval? So we develop a role, we develop Mm. a persona, we develop a mask role persona just to get love, validation and approval. For me as a young boy, I thought I needed to be perfect son, you know, the all a student, the, the independent one, the caretaker, the responsible one, the good kid, the, all these things that I... And you're just a child. And, but this is how we, we are all just children. But right. we, you know, we think we need to be these things to get love, validation, approval. And then it gets reinforced by life and society and parents and religion and media. And so before you know it, we've become this version of ourselves that we've contorted to be that we think is who we are. But it's not really who we are. It's just but what we've been conditioned to be to get love, validation, approval and manage pain. It's a survival mechanism. So this pattern that we've become is often how we go through life. And so much of our capacity to love and our light and our magnificence and our potential is kind of like trapped and hidden inside of this preset pattern program version of ourselves. And so the degree to which we are conditioned is the degree to which we're not truly free to choose, truly free to fulfill our potential. And so for me, what I really do is I create processes and experiences to help people. To me, one of the first steps of transformation is awareness. We have to start becoming aware of our patterns, aware of where we're stuck, aware of our motivations, aware of the lies that we're telling ourselves. And so I think when we can start becoming conscious and aware that, wow, maybe who I am is not who I am. Maybe maybe I've been programmed. Maybe I've been programmed in certain ways that I wasn't aware was programming, but and we can start becoming aware of those patterns and those, those mechanisms and that programming, then we can actually deal with it. So I began to create kind of some processes that would help people become aware and start unraveling the patterns of conditioning. And so I think one of the places people can start as just a beginning, I know this is a short interview, but I think one of the places where people can maybe just, just start an exploration is looking at all of the lies that we tell ourselves. <laughs> Lies that we tell ourselves keep us stuck. To truly be free, to truly transform, there is no transformation without truth. Mm. And in so many ways, unconsciously, for the reasons I just kind of outlined in terms of the conditioning process, we've learned to lie to ourselves about who we are and what we feel. And, and, and so we stay in relationships that aren't right, that we know, we know aren't aligned, but we stay in it out of, you know, survival, out of familiarity, what would people think, guilt, you know, all of these things. We, we, we work jobs, yeah, false, false commitments sometimes. False commitment, you know, we, yeah. stay, 
We stay in jobs that we know aren't aligned with our true soul's purpose out of safety and, again, out of security. And we wonder why we're not truly happy. And so I would invite people to sit with a couple of questions to really self-reflect in terms of a beginning point where they can start. Number one, what lies am I telling myself? Just to ask yourself the real, raw question. What lies am I telling myself and what am I pretending to not know because many times <laughs> oh. you play the game, right? Yes. Like, I'm confused. I don't know what my purpose is. When we know I'm confused. I don't know if this relationship is right for me. We know, but we're afraid of the truth. We're afraid of the consequence. So what I tell people is take the pressure off of yourself from having to take action. When you just take that pressure off, like you don't have to divorce. You don't have to break up. You don't have to leave your job. Just begin to acknowledge the truth. The truth might be, I hate my job. Feel it. <laughs> you know, it's scary to just acknowledge it. You don't have to leave your job. I hate my job. It's the truth. And let that process begin marinating inside. I'm no longer in love with my wife or husband. Ooh, scary. You don't, nothing has to happen, but just let things just kind of start marinating. That begins a process inside. And so I think the truth is what begins to set us free. But we have to want the truth more than we want what we have. We have to want the truth more than we want what we think we want. And so that starts a process. Then we can ask ourselves the question, what is the cost of lying to myself? There is a cost. When we lie to ourselves, it's painful. Oh, so painful. It's, it's meant to be painful. To me, the fact we feel pain is actually healthy. The pain is a feedback mechanism. It's a signal trying to get our attention, showing us. It's like your body, physically. If not, you feel pain, that's drawing your attention to something is physically wrong with you. It's the same spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. But what we tend to do as human beings is we will distract. We feel pain. We distract ourselves. We drink it away, smoke it away, sex it away, suppress it, you know, <laughs> drug it away, shop it away, work it Netflix away, social it away. Media away, just so that we don't feel it. And that's the, like, that just perpetuates the pattern. And then we, then we get sick. Then we feel physical ailments. Then we wonder, why do I feel depressed and no aliveness, no joy, no happiness, tired all the time. To me, pain is a signal. So we have to be willing to acknowledge the pain and ask ourselves, what is this pain trying to teach me? What is the message of this pain? And how do I use this pain? To me, pain is a gift. It can show us where we need to course correct. And so I think if we're willing to just begin by telling ourselves the truth, without judgment, without even need for action, and just sit with that, it begins a process of bubbling inside and, and transformation. So you're, I mean, you just keep hitting on things and I'm like, oh, yes, recent personal, um, then it's very special to me. Very, very special to me. I had been journaling. I'd been talking to like my coaches and spiritual guides and um, therapists and just like something wasn't right. Something's not right. I'm blessed. I have all these mm. things. I would list all the things like my life externally was perfect. Like, why can't I, what is wrong? Something is telling me something's mm. wrong. Am I not grateful enough? Am I like, I just, I was beating myself up for even mm. thinking that there's something aloof in my life. And when I flew out and I knew I was going to Venice, I told God, the universe, however you want to frame that for me, it's God. And I was just like, I am not leaving Southern California where mm. I'm originally from, where I feel like home. I'm not leaving until you tell me the end. So <laughs> I had this conversation 
had a nice night with some pho in my hotel room, meditated, all that kind of stuff. And then like nothing magical happened. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> no burning bush for Amber today. Cool. All right. So I come back to Tennessee, the Nashville tornadoes or seven tornadoes that came through Nashville, like obliterated most of my community, took out my parents' home. Like they were the poster child for CNN and, and MSNBC and everything of the aerial overview of the destruction. And then COVID happens. And then, as you know, as a speaker yourself, no conferences, no speaking, you know, and just all of these things were happening. And fortunately, I had multiple businesses and my husband was, you know, successful, although, you know, real estate. So that could be scary pretty quickly in a down economy. And then we were all asked to stay at home. No traveling, no running multiple businesses, no kids going to soccer games. No, none of that. Just sit with yourself and and. Uh-huh so value the truth. Like the truth is like the most important thing to me. And I had to get real with what was actually true in my life, not necessarily my truth or how I felt, but what was true. And it's like, I woke up and then I couldn't go back to sleep. I woke up and I couldn't unsee it. And I'm a person who speaks some of the same language that you do. And I thought that I was very in touch with everything, but I was not being true. We'll just say I'm no longer married. And, um, and, and I was going to say congratulations on some level, you know, because and I want nothing but the best for him. Yeah. Whatever Mm -hmm. your truth is, is your truth. And I accept that. Mm -hmm. I want the best for him. I want him to be Mm -hmm. happy, but I am now free to live in truth. And, Mm -hmm. and so just to your point of like the first step was, oh, snap. Thank you, God, for answering my prayer. I wasn't expecting this. And then not immediately acting on it, but just Mm -hmm. living with it and deciding Mm -hmm. what the consequences were if I brought it up or like if I was asking, like if I asked for the truth and, um, and then the end result was, it it was painful, but not as painful as living in a cage of inauthentic living. Inauthenticity. Yeah. 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 It's so true. Like when I was 18, when I looked into my future, I realized that if I lived a lie, to get my father's love and validation, took over his churches and, you know, became this thing. I was going to have to live a life for the rest of my entire rest life, of your life in no. order to get the love. And, and so that's the challenge is many times we get trapped, we get locked in prisoners in a trap of success, even, you know, in a trap of identity, in a trap of, you know, what we built and we're not free. And I think nothing feels as good as freedom. Yeah, and I think freedom is 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 nothing is worth your freedom. Amen. And I think I think look, if we are willing to tell the truth to what to me, truth is real prayer. Like truth is real spirituality. Yeah. So many of the things that we we pray to God about, we go to temple. God, please help me. God's like, no, just you, you go tell the truth, and that problem will resolve itself. Come <laughs> to me with a real issue. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so I think if we really start. Truly telling us, like, to me, a, a happy life is easy. Yeah. No, let, let me phrase it this way. It's simple. It Not is. Not always easy, but it's simple. Feel the truth, speak the truth, acknowledge the truth, live the truth, happy life. But because of our fears and conditioning, many times we don't. And, yeah. and so sadly, by not deep, like, like sometimes we say, well, I'm just not going to deal with that. But when we don't deal with that, we have to deal with that either in the future or every day in terms of the unhappiness that we feel. And so life, to me, life is short. You know, life is so short. 
life is so short and we only get one opportunity to live this experience. And so I just invite everyone to have the courage, the courage to let go. Yes, when you tell the truth, you might lose people. Oh, you will lose you, you, people. You might lose things. You might be, but what you lose and who you lose was probably no longer in alignment with right. what your soul is seeking to become. Mm-hmm. And the next level of our lives, the next level of your life, whatever that next level is that your soul is seeking to express will require the next level of you. And the next level of you will require that you let go of what's no longer aligned. But what we tend to do is we, we, we hold on to what's no longer aligned. And then we ask God, like, God, can I get a blessing? And, and, and we don't realize we're blocking our own blessing. He's and like, so you don't have space. You got to unload some stuff because I'm, the cooperative bless you. Yeah, there's no I'm trying to this. bless you. There's no, there's no room for the blessing. And yeah. so what we have to realize is, is in surrendering, it's in letting go, it's in releasing what is no longer aligned, even though it's a bit scary makes the space in the room for new opportunities and new blessings to flow. And so I think that's when grace can happen. Yeah. Mm, so good. So, so good. And, and grace is, um, whew, that is something that we cannot give to other people until we understand how to give it to ourselves. And you yeah. can't give yourself grace yeah. if you're not honest, if you don't have that truth. Yes. So that's I, I love it. To start. Yeah. So, I mean, there's such a big, big topic. I mean, like there's no room in the next 10 minutes to, uh, to truly cover this, but you know, uh, there's that purpose-driven life book that was like so popular several years back yeah. and everybody wants to know, like, how do I find my purpose? And, you know, mm-hmm. I feel extraordinarily blessed that I, I feel like I understand mine, but I don't, I wouldn't even begin to know how to, inform somebody of like the step-by-step process because there isn't one, but you actually speak on this. So what is it that you advise people to do to align with their purpose? First, I'm going to just maybe speak on a spiritual level as a context. Sure. I'll give some steps because I think they both go together. Wonderful. Um, First, I would tell people, stop seeking your purpose. (laughs) Many times, the the constant pursuit and seeking of your purpose is taking you away from the moment and being here and this experience. And so, you know, I feel we're souls, we were born, we incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, to grow, to evolve. And to me, all of life is like a university yeah. for our soul in order to grow. And, and that means everyone is our teacher, but the person we hate, the person we love, our family members, our friends, those relationships, your husband, your children, everybody is our teacher. And so if that's the case, then the purpose of life is evolution, is growth, is learning the lessons and evolving and becoming your most authentic self and realizing who you really, really, really are beyond this physical body, your true nature. And, yeah. and, and if the purpose of life is evolution, then every moment of your life is your purpose. Every moment of your, regardless of what you are doing, so long as you are growing and evolving and learning the lesson for why you are in that relationship or attracted that situation, and you're using all of life as a evolutionary learning moment to self-reflect and become more of who you truly are, you're living your purpose. And I don't care if you're working Ralph. I don't care if you're a billionaire or you're, you're broke. Or, it doesn't matter. Every moment of your life is your purpose. And when you can really take that on, that's, you're, you're no longer waiting for some 
thing to do to live your purpose. You can be living your purpose, whatever the vehicle is. So I just want to set that context spiritually first. Now, in terms of that human level of what about, what do I do? I'm going to start off with the same thing. Stop seeking your purpose. (laughs) (laughs) The ego wants to seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and not not find because ego loves the process of seeking rather than actually finding. And so, because seeking reinforces our sense of ego existence, right? And so, and so in terms of that, what I would tell people is number one, just go in the direction of what you love, go in the direction of what turns you on, lights you up, makes your soul come alive. Just move in that direction. You don't have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. Something inside of you knows. Your soul knows. There's an intelligence that knows. But if you just move in the direction of what makes you alive, turns you on, like, like, like activates your being, go in that direction. Take a step. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Many of us, we're trying to figure out our purpose from the sidelines, yeah. and we're not in the process of life. And as we evolve, your purpose will also evolve. And so who you are today won't be who you are tomorrow. So your purpose may evolve. And so if you just take a step, when you take the step, life reveals to you the next step. You take another step, life reveals to you the next step. And then life reveals to you the next step. And so what happens in terms of your purpose, your purpose gets revealed to you in the process of living life itself. And what might happen is all of a sudden you look around and you go, whoa, I'm living my purpose. It wasn't necessarily what I thought. I don't think Oprah could have predicted that she would be like this billionaire media mogul, but she started and she started by moving in the direction of what she loved, which was communication. Love him or hate him. I don't think Obama could have predicted that he was going to be the president of the, I wouldn't bet on it, that he was going to be the president of the United States, but he moved in the direction social work and activism. And that moved him from one step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And so when we don't take the steps, we don't learn the lessons along the way. Mm. We don't learn the lessons along the way. We don't grow and evolve and develop the mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological muscle. And if we, if we're not, then we're not ready. Then if we're not ready, how can God use us? How can life use us if we're not ready? And so every step prepares us. So go in the direction of what you love. Number two, love is not enough. I love Formula One racing, but I'm not going to be a Formula <laughs> One driver. And so, you know, you have to have some skill. And so then look at, well, what tangible skills do I actually have? But I don't have any. No, every single job you have had, we have had, is part of the preparation. And that's why I tell people, you know, some people people say, I don't want to work a job that is beneath me or that I don't love. I I say to people, there is a lesson and a learning in every job. Do the job wherever you are with utmost excellence so that you can learn the lesson that you need to learn. Likely in that job that you hated, in that job that you thought wasn't your purpose, there was a skill set that you needed to learn. Maybe it was marketing. Maybe it was Facebook ads. Maybe it was discipline. Maybe it was you know uh, graphic design. Something was there that you needed to learn that's going to be a necessary part of the fulfillment of your actual purpose. So How many what strong have? leaders have you heard say, I'm so glad that I waited tables when I was young and broke. I learned so much about the human condition. I learned how to... Like, I do interpersonal communication. I learned how to read yeah, people. Yes, I learned how to be yes. humble. I learned how to hustle because they waited tables at some schmarmy, you know, yeah. bar or something, right. but they still speak to it like countless people. Exactly. 
it was preparation. Yeah. And many of us, especially in our sort of social media, Instagram culture, we, we don't want to do the process. Yeah. We want to be the fully baked cake without going <laughs> into the oven. It doesn't work that way. We've got to do the process so that we can become it to truly be able to be it. And to look at Mark Burnett, the, uh, the creative survivor. Yeah. You know, the, the, basically the creator of reality TV. This dude, talk about Venice Beach, came from England, was selling T-shirts on Venice Beach. <laughs> selling T-shirts. Now, people go, well, what does that have to do? He learned to sell. He learned to sell. He needed to be able to sell. Then he did these sort of extreme endurance crazy races as a participant, as a competitor. That gave him the idea to do, you know, these crazy races, the amazing race and what have you. So the selling and the racing and all these things came together. And so what skills do you have? Thirdly, look at the skills that you have and ask yourself, what skills do I have? And what problems am I uniquely able to solve? Mm. This is the key. And so I tell people, don't focus on just making money. Focus on being of service. Because oh, if okay. you're of service, then you add value. Money is a function of adding value. How is it you add value? You add value when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. Many mm. times we do whatever we want to do. I'm living my passion, but we're not really actually adding real value to anybody's life, you know? And, and so real value is when you solve someone's pain, problem, or challenge. Love him or hate him, Jeff Bezos has solved and is solving people's pain, problem, or challenges because I just used Amazon Prime yesterday. Elon <laughs> Musk solving pain, problem, or challenges. And so in terms of purpose, we have to look at not just like me, but how can I be of service by adding value, by solving pain, problem, or challenges? Money will be, is the transference of energy and the energetic exchange for solving someone's pain, problem, or challenge. Fourthly, I would invite people to sit with what group of people do I feel an affinity and a connection to? Maybe you feel a connection to the elderly or you know, teenage pregnant girls or you know, runaway foster kids or you know, like, like the whales, whichever group of souls you feel a connection to is likely pointing you in the direction of who you are here to serve. And that might give you a clue into where your purpose lies. Mm, okay. I was not expecting the step-by-step -step in under 10 minutes, but look at you, you did it. So, <laughs> but I really appreciate that because what a big picture thought this is. And it's so overwhelming, especially if you're not really tuned in spiritually to yourself yeah. and you, you are distracted by all of that. It's very easy to be overwhelmed. So having that, you know, I say things like follow your breadcrumbs, like it doesn't matter what the job is. It doesn't matter what the, what the environment was like, you will find commonalities throughout your life from childhood to yesterday, or even this morning that will give you clues as to what is in your future. That gives you clues as to what you consistently are drawn to, what you're consistently rewarded for, what you're consistently known for. And something else that popped out about you about like learning or just the experience, like moving in a direction, you know, I just, I want to add because like, oh, I got a divorce. What? And most people think there's so much friction there. And I'm not saying there wasn't hurt or, you know, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, what I told him was we both left each other better than we found each other. Yeah. It's the truth. It's the truth. And endings are painful, but you know, we were supposed to come together for a purpose and for a season and for a time. And in this world, you know, and there's a lot of people would stop listening to me after saying this, but like, you know, relationships aren't for forever. Jobs aren't no. for forever. Nothing, nothing other than our soul is forever. Yeah. And yeah. 
I think if you embrace, you know, the, the, this path that you just walked us through, and I love that love is not enough, develop a skill. <laughs> That's the note that I took. <laughs> that is so true. It's like, I want to be Michael Jordan. Well, you're five foot two. So, um, exactly. Like, you know? <laughs> like this idea that you can do anything and be anything. I don't think it's true because no. if you're five foot two, like, you're not going to be Michael Jordan, no matter how much meditation and visualization you do. <laughs> right. it's not, but I think it's, it's about finding the path that is in alignment with our highest soul's destiny. Yes. And that's really what it is to really not try to be Michael Jordan. Many of us, we're, we're not living our purpose because we look at someone and we go, I want to be that. But that's what your highest vibra- vibratory soul's essence is seeking to experience is seeking mm-hmm. to manifest as, you know? And, and so I think part of it is really reflecting inside, going inside and, and, and aligning with what is it that I am uniquely here to share with the world and give yeah. the world. And focus uniquely because yeah. we all bring something based on just how we're designed based on, you know, what our life experiences are based on, you know, our, our personality traits. We have a unique way of addressing mm-hmm. something that somebody else who might do the same thing as us, they're not going to do it the way that we do it. So we all have that, you know, in service to others. And I love your definition mm-hmm. of that too, where you're solving a pain, a problem or a challenge. Heck yes. And when you are spiritually aligned, and we're, we're never perfect, right? Like we never get there, uh-huh. but, <laughs> but when you are just, when you're at that high vibration where it is love and it's not fear when, you know, when you're clear or as clear as a human can be, then when you approach a situation or you approach a person or a potential relationship, it really does become a hell no or a hell yes. It's not a wishy-washy. I don't know about this because that vibrational dissidence or or a connection is going to be so in your face because you're so in tune with what is right for you and your path. And I think that's hard for people. I live in the South. Hmm. Everybody's polite to everybody. It's you know whether they stab you in the back behind your back or not. Like hmm. it's it's a game of of politeness and what it looks like and external validation and you know. He just screwed you in business, but don't say anything because you might reach for a banana at the same time at the grocery store. And like, that's how people live their lives. Not completely, Mm -hmm. but as a generalization. And you get caught in this trap of external expectations instead of Mm -hmm. taking a huge step back. And like, I just can't wait for people to hear this episode. Like, here are your steps. Mm -hmm. My my work is here is done. The podcast is (laughs) over. Y'all have a nice life. (laughs) So we've covered so much in such a short amount of time now. I mean, I, I... observed why you are as popular of a speaker and have impacted so many people, but just the way that you concisely encapsulated all of this for us in 30, about 30 minutes has been incredible. Before I tell everybody how they can reach you and get a hold of you, um, cyber stalk you, <laughs> learn from you. <laughs> what is that parting piece of advice that you would offer our listener, a bombshell, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident, meaning we get back up. It doesn't mean we never falter female, yeah business professional i'm just gonna say what comes to mind okay which is yeah you're going to die <laughs> yeah you are <laughs> like, like like very humbly like you are going to die and i would invite you today to feel that feel that feel your death not as some morbid thing but but as a reality i think so many of us were afraid because we're we're so busy resisting and avoiding death, looking good, avoiding death, failure. 
And in that resistance, we never fully just live life. Like we're going to die. Whether you fail or you fall down, you're going to die. And so if death came right now, are you ready? And if not, why not? What's ungiven? What's unsaid? What's unexpressed? What's unrated? What's unwritten? What's unforgiven? Like the people in, you know, we're just doing this interview. I'm not sure when people will listen, but just after 9-11, people in 9-11 had no idea that they weren't going to come home that night and look their loved ones in the eyes and say, hey, I really forgive me. I really love you, you know? And I think many of us, we hold so much of our gifts and self back for some like imaginary special moment in the future. Yeah. And so I think if you can feel your death, it wakes you up to the preciousness that is life. Mm. You know, we, we save that best dress for the party that never comes, mm. forgetting that every moment of this wild, crazy, difficult, challenging, amazing existence is the very party itself, even when you're on the floor, even mm. when you're, you know, not feeling like it, even when you feel like giving up, you're still here. And so if death came, are you ready? What's ungiven? How would you need to live your life? What would you need to say? What would you need to do so that if death came, you would have no regrets? Because when, when that moment happens, and I hope all of us, we live a long life, when the moment happens and you meet your maker, you can't go to God or whatever you believe, God is, you know, the universe. You can't go to God and say, can I get a refund on yeah. these seven years? I stayed in that relationship that I knew wasn't right. Can I get a refund on those five years that I was too afraid to stand up again? God says, no, it's gone. It's done. No refunds. And so how would you need to live to live with no regrets? Do it. It's not easy being a human. And so just the fact that you are human and you're reaching for the light uh, says a lot. So Mm. that's what I would say. So good. So good. I'm super excited to release this episode. I, I really appreciate your wisdom, your experience, the the beautiful way that you uh, string words together to make them as impactful as, as they are. So thank you for thank that. You. Thank you. So you can find Coot online. Well, first of all, you want to buy his book. So the magic of surrender is the book, which can be found yes. on. That can be found on Amazon. People go to Amazon, the magic of surrender on Amazon, but also uh, the magic of surrender book.com okay as well but get it on amazon and it's it's all available yeah uh, and it's there in 24 hours or immediately on your kindle (laughs) prime (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um he can be found on facebook at coop and it's k-u-t-e blackson love now on instagram coop blackson very easy twitter coop blackson on youtube coop blackson 09 and then you can find him on linkedin as coop blackson as well and i encourage you to connect with him on linkedin or follow him on LinkedIn first, because that's where we do business in this podcast is about business and all the things that come into that, like this experience of just living your authentic truth and discovering your purpose and living out your purpose as it continuously evolves, because you never get there. You can't make a mistake that isn't going to serve you. So thank you again for being on the podcast. Bombshells. Thanks for having me. We're going to catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.